The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. And today we have a very, it's a very special day for, for everybody. That's Klai Yisrael celebrating together with Stories to Inspire. Thank you so much to Klai Yisrael. Thousands of stories by the greatest speakers. So much inspiration. What a special day. Today I want to share with you in honor of this special occasion, a story that inspired me. I found it inspirational. What was the story? I was visiting my wife's grandmother in America. She lived across the street from a famous yeshiva. And uh, I was outside the yeshiva after davening Shabbos morning, and a brother comes over to me, we start talking, and he says, he tells me he has a story. He doesn't know if it's a good story, but it's a story. And he gets, I said, well, tell me the story. So he starts telling me the story. And he says, you know, first he tells me, you know, how he was getting ready to go to the yeshiva that we were actually in front of, and he was all set for the big day. He's wearing a nice suit, he's wearing a nice tie, a nice shirt. He looks good. He feels for him wearing nice clothing, he feels clothes next to man, and he actually is doing his best to look the part. And he says like this to me, today was a big day, the day I'm getting dressed in my, all my nice clothing. I was waiting for this day for a long time. To be honest, I was waiting for this day pretty much since I was born. I was about to walk out of the door of my yeshiva dorm along with three other guys and take a bus to the yeshiva gedolah that I was going to try out for. My father, he said, went to the same yeshiva gedolah and from the time I was a little kid, I knew that one day I also was going to go to that yeshiva. Now, there are many solid yeshivas in America, but only one yeshiva like this yeshiva, a top-notch place filled with a select body of sharp thinkers, Guys with a smother, guys with machshava, smart guys. When I graduated eighth grade, my father suggested to Rosh Yeshiva that maybe I should come to the yeshiva. He said, no. He turned it down. He said, it's not a good idea. He felt clearly, he felt yeshiva wasn't for me for high school. And even though my father was a Talmud, he still wouldn't let me come. But now I was about to graduate high school. And I figured it was time for me to carry on the family tradition. Time to earn some glory for myself. I had to go to the Yeshiva Gedola I've been waiting for my whole life. And that was why I was heading out the door right now, along with three other Bachram, who have been with me for the last four years of high school. We were all going for fair at the Yeshiva Gedola. One of the guys calls out to me, you coming? Let's go, we're gonna miss the bus. Don't worry, we're not gonna miss the bus. Guys, it's easy for you to say, you know you gotta get to the Yeshiva, you're not even nervous. And that was the way I was playing it, he told me, the last few months. I was acting as if there was no way in the world they were going to turn me down. For sure going to take me to the yeshiva. The truth is, the truth is, I actually believed it myself. Why wouldn't they accept me? I was a solid guy. I knew my stuff. I was so confident in the outcome that I told everybody that there was no way in the world they weren't going to take me. That's how confident I was. I even study for the fact. In my mind, it was a done deal. But inside my head, I could hear a little voice, and the little voice said, but what if they don't take you? Then what? What are you gonna do? And I said to myself, it's not gonna happen. They're gonna take me. Nothing to worry about. Everything under control. It was a long bus ride. Some of the guys listened to Shirim, some of the guys slept. I spent the time looking out the window of the scenery. And I was imagining the letter of acceptance that I was getting from the yeshiva. 
Well, you guys first were ready for the fire, and I smiled at him. You're that sure of yourself, he said. I'll be pretty surprised if they don't take me, I told him. But it's a complicated fair. I feel ready. Do you want to go with the bar with me just in case? No, I'm fine. The guy was surprised at me. He opened the Gemara himself and started to learn. We got to the yeshiva 10 minutes before Mircha. Beis was packed with guys standing and learning. Strong guys, dominant personalities, confidence. These guys are the real deal. I was impressed. We found a few empty seats at the back of the room. And we felt like everybody was looking at us. Mircha began. I finished my essay about five minutes before everyone else. I could feel my stomach making growling no- no- noises. Suddenly I was nervous. Like maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe I wasn't prepared. Maybe I didn't have, hadn't done enough studying for the test. Davening finished. The room cleared out. I looked around at my friends. Everybody was acting all brave. But it was really nerve-wracking. And Bacha came and took us to Hashim's office. Guys went in. One of the guys went in for the first test, came in a little white-faced. I went in next. Roshiv was sitting on the desk. The Gemara was open in front of him. He looked at me, first a few questions about the family, how I was doing, and then we got down to business. And it was a pretty tough affair. I didn't get any special treatment. If anything, the opposite was true. Roshiv grilled me for 10 solid minutes and one question after another. I did okay, but to be perfectly honest, it wasn't one of my best moments. I didn't lose confidence, though. I had grown up with this man in my life. I knew the Rosh Hashiva. I had always known I was going to learn his Yeshiva when I grew up. I couldn't imagine having it any other way. When we finished our discussion on the Sugya, the Rosh Hashiva asked me a number of other questions that seemed kind of random, and I answered every one of them. And then when that was done, he shook my hand, and I left the office. And I was unsure of myself, and I didn't even know why. And I was quiet all the way back home. After that came the waiting period. Most of us suffer in our lives through a waiting period of some sort, from time to time. Whether it's waiting to hear from a firm you applied to, from a shadchan. Waiting is never fun. The yeshiva gedara that I was applying to was considerate. Tried to get back to the Bachel within a few days. And I began checking the mailbox every morning and evening and a few times throughout the day. And three days after my return from the yeshiva, I opened the mailbox and found a letter from the yeshiva addressed to Mr. David Landau, myself. And my hands trembled as I picked it up and I carried it into the house. I sat down at the desk. I put the letter in the center and I stared at it for about three minutes. My brain was assuring me I was nothing to worry about. But my heart was telling me a different story. Finally, I ripped it open and removed the folded piece of paper. And this is what I read to Mr. David Landau. We thank you for coming to the Yeshiva Gedayla for a fahir. And we're impressed with your midos and good nature. Unfortunately, you were not accepted for Elozma. The paper slipped from my hand, drifted to the floor. We wish you much at Flach and all your future endeavors. And hope you find the Yeshiva that will help you grow into a true Ben Toledo. The letter was signed by one of the Meshkichim. I put my head down on my arms and I started to cry. I was walking around for months, strutting around. I'm in the yeshiva, it's a done deal, nothing to talk about, nothing to worry about. 
Now I was so embarrassed. The yeshiva took one look at me and knew I wasn't for them. And the truth is, I didn't go in with a good attitude. And the attitude I might come across loud and clear. The other guys were coming to learn. But I was coming to the yeshiva because it was the yeshiva. I wanted the prestige. The yeshiva knew it after one look. I cannot tell you how rejection, that rejection sobered me. It hit me like a hard wall right in the face. I went over to each of the three guys who came with me and I begged them, please don't tell the rest of the Baal from the yeshiva that I hadn't been accepted. They all agreed to keep it to themselves. And then I tried to imagine my life without the dream I had for so long, and I failed. This was going to be a very long summer. But listen to what happened next. Every year for the last Shabbos of high school, the Rosh Hashiva of my high school would take the 12th grade to the Catskills for a great weekend. Torah, singing, dancing, great food, lots of ruach. This is the way the Talmud imparted from the yeshiva. The trip was a tradition. And everybody waited for it. It was an eagerly anticipated trip. I had been excited about the Shabbos for a long time. I was determined not to allow my disappointment over not getting accepted to ruin the experience. Thursday evening finally arrived. We boarded the bus for the trip to the mountains. Every bachar came along with his nash, with his music, with his books, with his svar, with his tefillin, with his clothing. It was going to be an awesome weekend. We sang songs, we made jokes, we told stories, and finally almost everybody fell asleep. We had a great time Friday. A year after breakfast, everybody was there, swimming in a pool, sports, and then a, a rest before Shabbos. And then it was Friday night. And there's a special energy, and there's a special atmosphere on a Friday night in the mountains. There's magic in the mountains. The pseudo was fantastic. The food was catered by an upscale supermarket. There was plenty of cake and ice cream. And everybody sang and sang. It was very, very gishmak. A feeling of achtas permeated the atmosphere. One of the traditions on this trip was that at the end of the Friday night pseudo, every bacher was invited to speak. It could be a vantoiro, it could be a story, it could be a mixture of both. Whatever you want, but you had to speak. That was the rule. And everybody did. Even if you are a big speaker, he spoke that night. It was a way of saying thank you to Rosh Hashiva and Hanallah to everything they gave you over the last four years. It was an emotional moment for Bachram. Usually he didn't like showing their emotions. We went around the table. Every guy stood up and spoke his mind. Every guy expressed his appreciation to one of the Rebbeim, another of the Rebbeim, to the Mashkiach, to the Rosh Hashiva, reminding them of a certain story that helped them grow, that helped them stag, helped them come to realization, that helped change their life. Finally, it was my turn to speak. I stood up and I looked at the guys. These were the boys I went to school with, high school. These were my friends the last four years. We had grown up together. We had matured together. These were my boys. These were my friends. If I couldn't be honest with them, what have we accomplished here? I stood up to speak, and I knew that I was about to shake their world a little bit. What they were about to hear was not what they expected to hear, not even a little bit. I told you, I was into clothing, right? I stood up there in front of the room. I cut a confident figure in my designer suit. I had the right bearing, the right hair, the right bone structure, the right height. I looked the part of the CEO. 
Maybe that was part of the problem. The guys smiled at me. The way the feeling began, I looked at every one of them. The guys I liked very much. The guys I liked a little less. But I was friends with almost every one of them. We were close. And I said, this is what I said to them. Most of you have delivered a really thought-provoking vibe for us tonight, I said. You spoke very well. Some of you made us laugh. Some of you made us cry. But every one of you spoke from the heart. And everybody, every one of you touched us. I want to tell you something. Last week, Braun, Markowitz, and Rubenstein accompanied me on a trip to the yeshiva, Gedayla. We went for a fair. Now, as all of you know, I've been talking about going to this yeshiva since 10th grade. It's been my dream. I probably bored you all talking about this for years. It so happens to be that Braun, Markowitz, and Rubenstein were all accepted to the yeshiva, Gedayla. The room went wild. Everybody started speaking, started yelling, and then my friend Weinstein pipes and goes, what about you? What about you, he says. I looked at all of them around the room, and I said, I am sorry to say I was not accepted into the yeshiva gedolo that I've been waiting for all my life. I saw the shock on every face. How could it be? My father learned in the yeshiva. It had always been my biggest dream. I wasn't finished. I wasn't accepted into the yeshiva, I said, but I'll tell you something. A part of me is mourning what happened. Another part of me is very happy I was not accepted into the yeshiva. Now the guy's looking at me like, what's he talking about? Let me explain what I mean. Everything we do in our lives needs to start off with one primary thought. The idea and the knowledge that we need Hashem on our side to make it happen. Without that knowledge, we can never succeed in any part of our lives. When I arrived at the yeshiva, I came armed with incredible self-assurance. There was no doubt in my mind I was going to ace the fire and be accepted into the yeshiva. How could I not be? My father learned there, he was close to Rosh Hashiva. I was a solid guy, I was pretty serious about my learning. How could they turn me down? Basically, I said to the Bajal, I've got this one, Hashem. I don't need your help today. I've got it covered. But the truth is, we can't do it without Hashem. We need Him through every step in our lives, with every decision that we make. We need Him at every moment. We need Him at every second. And I thank Him for showing me this at this point in my life. So that's what I wanted to say. I thought I had everything under control. But then I learned that there's no such thing as having everything under control. And I will never forget Hashem. And I will never leave him out of the equation ever again. That was my speech. And I sat down in my seat. And I must have really spoken from the heart because the guys in my shirt began cheering wildly and the cheering went on and on. Like I said, something resonated deeply in their hearts and their souls. But Hashem was the most affected of all. I know this because he did something which I don't think he ever did before in all his years as a Rosh Hashiva. That Sunday, after we came back to the city, he picked up the phone and called the Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva that I had wanted to go to and I hadn't been accepted to. And he said, Rosh Yeshiva, this is Yanko Fried, the Rosh Hashiva of the high school. And then the Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva said, Shalom Yanko. We took three of the four boys he sent us, great boys, really great boys. Thank you, my Rosh Hashiva said, and that's what I'm calling you, because of David Landa, boy number four. What about him? I've never done this before. I never called Rosh Hashiva after he made his decision. But in this 
particular case, I feel that the Yeshiva Gedola should reconsider its decision. And why is that, Rabbi Yanko? And then my Rosh Yeshiva told the Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva Gedola that my speech, that Shabbos, that how impressed he was with my immaturity, and how he felt that I'd grown up in a single leap the moment I held that letter of refusal in my hands, how that letter had opened my eyes to the real point of life. And the Rosh Yeshiva said, my Rosh Yeshiva said to the Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva Gedola, give him another chance. Give him another chance. And in the end, the Anhal of the Yeshiva got together and made a discussion. They discussed the matter and they evaluated the situation and they came to a consensus and they reversed their previous decision. Not without reservations, not without misgivings, but they took my Yeshiva's words as seriously as possible. And I ended up going to the Yeshiva and I went there with a newly acquired outlook that couldn't have been more different than my previous one. I moved into the base marriage and I became more serious than I ever thought I was capable of being. And I proved that change really is possible. And he says to me that morning, that Shabbos morning, I'm still at the yeshiva. And I hope to remain there for a few more years. Recently, my yeshiva of the yeshiva Gedayla met my father at a wedding. He ran over there and he said to my father, I want to tell you something. The apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. And my father looks at the Roshiva and he says, even though the wagon didn't want to take the apple to the marketplace, and the Roshiva smiled and said, even so, even so. And there are many times in a person's life when he has an idea or an instinctive feeling but can't put it into words. When those feelings or ideas come along, don't let them slip away. Analyze them. Allow yourself to tune into your deepest emotions, capture the fragment, capitalize on your intuition, and change the negative events into positive ones. The potential to see deeply into any given situation lies within us. David Landa, not his real name, was able to tune into it, and he changed his life. But every one of us can do the same. Hatzlacha Rabba, and Hatzlacha, and Mazel Tov, once again, to the stories great, amazing stories to inspire, because in its way, it is changing the world.